Buffalo, Oregon. It's Thursday, September 3rd. This is Elliot News with a news briefing from The Oregonian and Oregon Live. Governor Kate Brown this week requested an audit of the Oregon Forest Resources Institute after an investigation by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, OPB, and ProPublica revealed that the tax-funded agency worked to discredit academic research and acted as a lobbying and public relations arm for the timber industry. Brown's office asked Secretary of State Bev Clarno to conduct a thorough audit of the agency. The governor pointed to disclosures from public records and media reports that, as the letter states, allege a variety of statutory and ethical concerns. The Oregon Forest Resources Institute was created in 1991 to educate the public about forestry. By law, the organization is prohibited from attempting to influence policy, but the investigation showed it routinely involved itself in politics around logging. A Happy Valley couple who scammed an elderly tigered couple out of millions of dollars and then used the money to fund a lavish lifestyle of travel, gambling, custom-tailored clothes, high-end cars, and expensive cigars were sentenced Wednesday to federal prison. U.S. District Judge Michael W. Mossman sentenced 51-year-old Ronnie Stevens to five years and 11 months in prison and 44-year-old Tina Ephraim to five years in prison after they pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit wire fraud. The couple was accused of soliciting $2.5 million in cash advances in exchange for access to valuable classic cars that were never delivered. Both defendants had previous convictions for similar scams. Portland police started encrypting officers' radio communications on June 3rd, days after nightly protests against racism and police brutality began. The switch came without public input or notice. Public safety communications between emergency dispatchers and police, or scanner traffic, has long been monitored by members of the press and others to track the response to shootings, stabbings, and other calls. The change comes at a time when cities nationwide are grappling with how to make police forces more transparent and accountable. But Portland police and city officials say the switch has been in the works for months. Portland police officer Derek Carman, a spokesperson for the agency, said the effort began in November due to safety and information security concerns. Two men and a woman appeared before a federal judge Wednesday in Portland, becoming the first in Oregon to face the rare federal charge of civil disorder for alleged violence during the summer's turbulent protests. A Seattle man is accused of launching a ball bearing with a slingshot during a downtown demonstration in July, striking a Portland Fire Bureau medic. A Portland woman is accused of throwing a helmet that struck a police sergeant in the head last week outside the police bureau's North Precinct. Another man is accused of repeatedly striking the glass above the front door of the police bureau's east precinct with a hammer, elbowing a police officer in the face, and throwing eggs and other objects at police last month. The felony cases mark a significant detour from past practice in Oregon. Federal prosecutors here haven't used the charge in recent memory because state laws cover the same crimes. But U.S. attorneys in half a dozen other cities have brought similar civil disorder charges tied to violence that has erupted during protests nationwide. The protest began in response to the May 25th death of George Floyd, a black man who died after a white Minneapolis police officer knelt on his neck for more than eight minutes. The Oregon U.S. Attorney's Office is reviewing other violent actions from the last three months of protests and is expected to pursue similar civil disorder prosecutions. The Oregon Employment Department has set a November target to start paying hundreds of millions of dollars in jobless benefits to Oregonians federal payments that have been delayed for months by the department's dysfunctional computer system. The money at issue comes from the so-called waiting week. Furloughed and laid-off workers typically aren't eligible for monetary benefits in the first week that they're out of work. 
Congress eliminated the waiting week in March to blunt the impact of the huge job losses that accompanied the start of the coronavirus pandemic. Oregon initially resisted implementing the federally funded waiver, saying it would take too much time given the state's obsolete computers. Oregon says it's not aware of any other state that has failed to waive the waiting week, which is worth at least $800 to most of the workers who have lost their jobs or were furloughed from late March to July. Thanks for listening. You can support this podcast and our local journalism with a subscription to Oregon Live. Go to OregonLive.com slash pod support. 